0: then live again in you and God we celebrate that as we celebrate the baptisms of our brothers and sisters this morning God we just want to praise your name we just want to reveal your glory to the world around us through this so be with us Lord God we
1: pray in Jesus name amen
0: go ahead and have a seat good morning everybody Uh, Usually when bands go out on tour and they're about to be at different venues and have different concert settings, those sorts of things... Usually before they get there, what uh, they'll receive is a contract. There'll be a big, long contract full of these are the things that we require, these are stipulations, these are the things that we need in order to put on a concert wherever it is, at whatever venue that they're going to. And I always find it interesting to find out what are the different demands that different singers or different bands have in regards to their different concerts. So picture in your mind, the promoter gets the contract and it lists, these are the things I require. If it's from Kid Rock, this is what Kid Rock... Requires to be in his dressing room by 2 p.m. He wants orange and grape soda, Hawaiian punch, Tostitos, munchos, because who doesn't like munchos, shrimp cocktail, potato salad, and cheese dip, and then a pack of Tums because of all that. (laughs) He also requires one pack of white tank tops, which would make sense that it's Kid Rock. Something happens to a tank top, he's got another. If it's Mariah Carey, she requires for her concerts tea for eight people, but you could only use Poland Springs water to make the tea. But for her drinking water on stage, she requires 16-ounce plastic bottles of Evian. That's her requirements to put on a concert wherever she's going. Christina Aguilera, here's her list of stipulations. She wants only organic milk in her dressing room. She wants Flintstone vitamins, which makes sense because they're the best vitamins, as we all know. Malt-flavored carnation instant breakfast, and if there is any styrofoam, she will not perform. No styrofoam. Alabama, let's go to country musicians, the band Alabama. They will not perform if there are any live animals backstage. Which just begs the question, what had to have happened to them that afterwards they said, okay, that's it, if there are any more live animals, we're not playing Aerosmith has a very peculiar request in their contract. They specifically state that they want no Wonder Bread in their dressing Dressing rooms. I don't get with that Wonder Bread. Cher does not consider Kendall Jackson wines to meet her standard of fine wines, and thus she doesn't want any of them in her dressing room. But I think my favorite is Van Halen. Van Halen demands within their stipulations that there be a bowl of M&Ms, but they want all of the brown ones removed. This is serious. Like, honestly, they want a bowl of M&Ms with just the brown ones removed. And at first, when I hear that, I go, these really puffed up, arrogant, obnoxious, high-maintenance singers and bands, come on, beat like just real people, until I found the story of why Van Halen demands a bowl of M&M's with all the brown ones taken out. Can I tell you why they do this? This is very interesting to me. David Lee Roth wrote in his autobiography that they would always bury deep into the stipulations no brown M&M's. Because within the stipulations were a lot of other things like technical requirements that were absolutely essential to their sound and to lighting and to safety and to staging for the execution of their show. So picture, I mean, the contract says we need this much voltage, we need this in terms of staging. I mean, even safety things for the performers. And what was happening is they were going into, they had a huge production and they would oftentimes go into third level markets. And as a result, their shows in the early were, were prone to mistakes and technical errors and all sorts of difficulties and so what they decided to do is is they put this little clause in the middle of their contract because they knew if they walked in and saw brown MMs, do you know what that would mean? it would mean that most likely there are other things in that contract that were not followed as it should have been. And so if they walked into the dressing room and saw brown M&Ms, it signaled to them that they needed to do a more thorough inspection of the setup and the staging and the lighting and all the sound equipment and all the safety gear. And even with the stuff that happened this past summer in Indianapolis, I mean, the important stuff, they knew brown M&Ms meant somebody did not read this and follow the directions as they were supposed to. And when I heard the story, I thought, see, it went from high-maintenance singers to, oh, that's Brilliant. Brilliant. See, what they know is if you can't be, if you are sloppy with the little stuff, it usually will be a bigger reflection that you can't handle the bigger stuff, and you'll be sloppy in that as well. Which actually, this is just a principle right out of the teachings of Jesus, where he says, it's in Luke chapter 16, verse 10, he says this, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little, will also be dishonest with much. See, Jesus knows this is a hard issue. I know it says brown M&M's, but brown M&M's isn't really about brown M&M's. It's about a hard issue. It's about a character issue. It's about, th- it's about diligence and thoroughness, and Jesus knows the truth. He knows, you because know, we say this all the time, oh, well, if I won the lottery and got like $100 million, I mean, I would give this to charities, and I would be generous and give this away, and Jesus comes along and says, uh, actually, you won't. If you can't be generous with little, you'll prove not to be generous with a lot. And I think in there, we all have a tendency to say things that often our hearts aren't really willing to carry out. And at times, we could talk about how faithful we want to be to God, and if God told me to do something, I would do it. I mean, whatever God wants, I'm going to be obedient to the voice of God, and I'm going to follow all of his... I mean, and our hearts might say that, but sometimes our lives reveal that maybe we're not going to actually carry that out. And I can't help but wonder, and I don't want to trivialize it, but I can't help but wonder if sometimes Jesus places brown M&Ms in our life just in the small little things to see if by that it reveals our heart on whether or not he can trust us with the big things. I can't help but wonder if there are moments in our life where if they're not big, it's not grand, it's not like you need to sell all of your possessions and move to hate. I mean, just in the small little things, little brown M&Ms that Jesus is placing in our life to see how does it respond to see whether our hearts reflect obedience to him. And I can't help but wonder if maybe baptism is like one of those brown M&Ms. And I don't want to, I'm not trying to trivialize it or make baptism insignificant. I just want to, I just want to say, it seems, I mean, really, what's the big deal getting dunked in water? It seems like such a small thing. It seems like, but it might be one of those small things that is that brown M&M, because when we listen to Jesus, he's very clear on this. Jesus expects that those who are going to follow after him have experienced baptism. I mean, Jesus himself was baptized. And then after that, those who are following after him go through baptism where they are immersed into a brand new life, where they identify, this is what Paul tells us in the book of Romans, they're identifying with Jesus in his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And so for over 2,000 years, people who followed after Jesus has marked that through baptism. I mean, you just read through the gospel accounts. You start reading through the book of Acts. Every single person who gives their life to Jesus, who says, I'm going to be a follower and a disciple of Jesus, do you know what they do? They get baptized. Without exception. You can't find any exception. People who give their life to Jesus are then baptized. so Jesus himself, he sends out all of his apostles, and he says to them in Mark chapter 16, verse 15 to 16, he says, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation, and whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, is there anything in those two verses that are confusing, hard to understand, words don't make sense? No, it's pretty clear. I mean, there's not a lot of gray area. This seems to be Jesus' expectation. Jesus commands for those of us who are following after him to be baptized. And years ago when I started ministry, I thought the most inferior reason to get baptized was because Jesus said so. Like, in my mind, there's a lot of other reasons why you should get baptized because of this. I mean, both theological and existential, and the most inferior in my mind was Jesus commands it. But now I've come to appreciate and respect, no, sometimes it really is just about Jesus commands it. Because it felt to me like, it's sort of like a, you know, a kid and a parent, and they're kind of talking to one another, and the parent's telling them, you need to do something, and the kid's asking why. And every once in a while, the parent says, what? Because I said so, right? Now, as a kid, I hated that, right? It's like, but I want to know why, because I said so but now I'm a parent so I love it it's a great phrase because I said so I'm your dad go take care of it right now right and so but the bottom line is i i'm kind of okay right now with the idea that Yeah, we get baptized because Jesus commands it for those who are following after him. And I can't help but wonder if maybe this might be one of those brown M&M principles where, yeah, the bottom line is, if the Son of God commands it, if the King of kings and Lord of lords, if the Christ, as we say he is, those of us who are following after him, if he tells us to get baptized, then what's so complicated about that? It becomes a significant and valid test, it seems to me, of obedience. If we can't obey a simple request at getting dunked in water, then what makes us think that we can obey a large request by our king? And it just might reveal heart. It, it goes deeper into our spirit, reflects our willingness to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. There's another dunking story that, that, that uh, is about a guy named Naaman. He's in the Old Testament, and he, had a little, he struggled with this whole idea of that's it just go dunk, that's what I'm supposed to do, with and water. And, and the story is, he was a commander of the armies of Ram, And he was beloved by a lot of people, including his servants, which I'm sure was no small deal. But but uh, uh, Naaman got leprosy. And so his skin breaks out with leprosy, and his servants tell him, actually, there's a prophet in Israel. If you go see the prophet, he might be able to do something and heal you of this leprosy. So Naaman sends word to the prophet Elijah uh, Elisha, and he's wanting to have can you do anything about this leprosy? There's what picks up in 2 Kings chapter 5. Here's what Elisha says back to uh, Naaman. He says this. Begin verse 10. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, which is the, the river, and your flesh will be restored and you'll be cleansed. Okay? See the instructions? Elisha doesn't go to him. He just sends a messenger, go dip in the river Jordan seven times and the leprosy will be gone. Which you'd think to yourself, Naaman would be like, Right on. That's easy. No big deal. But here's what happened. Verse 11, Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot like a hocus pocus and cure the leprosy. And then he took the rivers in Damascus, Abana and Farpar. Are, Are they not better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? And so he turned and went off in rage. So picture, he's upset. He's angry. He's in a rage. But Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, listen, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he did. He goes down and dips himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. See? It's like a brown M&M. It's not a big deal. It seems rather insignificant. In fact, it seems kind of trivial, but it reveals the heart. and It's a reflection of the heart. And the servants have to come in and say, Naaman, really, it's no big deal. Would you not have done something greater if you could be cured of leprosy? And then 850 years later, there's another man who will go to the exact same river Jordan to be dunked and to be baptized. He was from the town of Nazareth, and his name was Jesus. And he's got a cousin named John who's at the river, and he's baptizing people for the repentance of sins and that they might receive the kingdom of God. And Jesus comes up to his cousin John and says, I want to get baptized. And I don't know if you remember the story, but John the Baptist says, are you kidding me? You should be baptizing me. I'm not baptizing you. And Jesus kind of presses it and says, no, this is we really ought to do this. So in Matthew chapter 3, verse 15, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, just picture this in your mind, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, with whom I, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. See, it's really not a big deal. wasn't even a big request. But Jesus will be obedient to the voice of his Father and even the smallest of things. And he will be obedient to the Father in what might seem like the insignificant or the trivial, but it reflects a heart that says, I will obey my Father. And in response, he gets to hear, this is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This morning, you're about to witness several individuals respond at the very bottom line, simply to the command of Jesus. And really, there are a lot of other, there's lots of things happening. There's lots of things that we commend in baptism from just declaring our belief that Jesus is the Son of God. That, that's when people are getting baptized. That's one of the things that's happening. They're declaring their faith that Jesus is who he said he was. And, and they're also accepting him now as Lord and Savior of their life. They're pledging that for the rest of my life, I'm going to follow after the ways of Jesus and be his disciple. They're going to receive brand new life. They're going to be born again, so to speak, into a new life, having all of their sins washed up. It's like a clean slate. That's what Acts two thirty-eight tells us, for the forgiveness of their sins. And they're also going to receive an impartation of the Holy Spirit. They'll also be, as Paul tells us, clothed with Christ and being grafted fully into the community of Jesus, his body, which is the church. All of that is going on this morning. But at the very bottom line, what's going on is it refi- reflects a heart that's obedient to Jesus that Jesus has given a command, and they're willing to respond with yes. It's almost like it's the brown M&M somewhere in the midst of the contract that I'm going to be faithful to Jesus in even the smallest of things. There'll be no more excuses or justifications or delays, even in the small stuff I'm obeying. And our prayer then as a community is is in response to this, they too will hear their Father in Heaven say, at, at least in their spirit, this is my son, or this is my daughter, whom I love. And with him or her, I am well pleased. So we want all of our kids to be able to watch this. So we got kids from Kids Cane about to walk in the room here and take a seat up here in the front row. Come on in, kids. Cuteness is about to walk in the room, by the way, just so you know. Always good from time to time to bring the kids back in. They can experience what we do. Hey, kids, come on in. You guys look great. What goes on in this room? (laughs) That's what they're all saying. What am I doing here? Hmm, rope, good idea. You never know when that will be necessary. (laughs) All right, why don't we pray for those who are getting baptized this morning. Father, we come to you and we're grateful that you are a God who rescues us, who saves us, who calls us to be your children, who are willing to name us among your sons and daughters. And so we pray right now for those who are getting baptized this morning, that in that moment, Lord, you would speak to their spirit and let them know that they are your son or daughter, that you are well pleased and that you love them. And I ask, Lord, that you would just protect them. And I pray, Father, in the days and the weeks and months ahead, that you would protect their heart and guard their life, Lord, against our enemy And I pray, Father, that in this moment they might experience the full measure of your grace and of your mercy and of your spirit. I ask that you'd fill them fully, Lord, with all the things that you intend that they might have abundant life. We're grateful for what this means, Lord, for just the obedient hearts that are willing to respond to say yes to you, Lord Jesus. And I ask that that same obedient heart will last with them all of their days. This will be asked in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have prepared and want to get baptized or you're walking, I need to get baptized, the uh, beautiful lady over here in the green and blue, Miss Ann Lynn, will take you back to where you need to go. So if you're getting baptized this morning, if you want to go ahead and head on the way back, and we'll take care of that for the rest of us. uh, I want you to see this video testimonies of those who are getting baptized in the different three services this morning.
2: Lived my life for years just on my own terms, never paying attention to what it affected anyone, and it caused problem after problem. Eventually, it led to the point where my marriage was deteriorating due to changes in our life, and I was left at the point where I had to make the choice whether I was going to walk away or whether I was going to stay. At that point, I had the phone in my hand and I was de- I had to decide, was I going to follow what I wanted, or was I going to do what God wanted me to do. At that point, I dedicated my life to Jesus, and I'm being baptized today to publicly say that my Lord is Jesus Christ, and I will follow what He wants. I realized um, with baptism that I no longer needed to do things on my own anymore, that I could hand things over to God, and... um, do a new chapter of my life, you know, that was my old story, this is my new, and this is where I want to begin. Um, end of the song, Jesus Take the Wheel, I'd like him to take the whole car <laughs> and just start fresh, so um, Sunday is, is my goal, that will be the day of the new start.
1: I want to get baptized because I've been on a long journey through temptation in life, and God has brought me out of a lot of stuff and I'm ready to give my life to God and follow His ways. I'm ready to make some life changes because I know that in the past I ain't made the best decisions, but um, I'm here to work on that and get that fixed.
2: I just remember really... Struggling with how I felt about God and I thought that maybe he had almost let me down in a way And so I hadn't gone to church and I hadn't prayed in a really long time And then in December of 2010 my grandma was diagnosed with multiple myeloma which is a form of cancer and After we got the news. I just remember going home and just praying and I just was crying and I remember just begging God not to take her away from me, too and after chemo and we were in Indianapolis for about a month for her to get a stem cell replacement done um, I just really started praying again and just getting into reading my Bible again and about three or four months later we had went back to the doctor so she could get tested to see if the stem cell replacement had worked and it did and her cancer was in remission and at that moment, I realized like I really needed to change my life and, and get back into going to church and just get back into my spiritual life. And I feel like getting baptized is me basically a clean slate and just starting fresh.
1: I am Chris Buck, and I have always believed in God. Um, and, but since I've had cancer, I believe that he's helped me a lot. And I think being baptized will bring me closer to where I want to be with God. Baptism to me means that I am going to entrust Jesus with my life, and he's going to take control of it and shape it to his
2: will. After following Jesus when I was here, I have been clean for nine years and sober for five years. And it's just been, he's been, Jesus has been the reason that I'm alive today. And then I'm here with my two handsome little boys and everything like that. And I just really think that this is the next step on my path. And I've been praying for a couple years about it. And I just, this is my next step. And he's told me to take my next step.
1: I'm at the point where I'm just ready to completely, you know, die to myself and lay myself down and completely submit to him and follow and and just do his will and his work, whatever it might be, I'm just to that point where I'm ready to to take that next step and and just move forward. And I just wanted to be baptized just to kind of make that, you know, commitment, that outward commitment of, you know, this, you know, I'm, I'm... Serious about this, so I'm ready to move forward. I think for me, really getting baptized is, you know, um, making that commitment to God and saying, you know, yes, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. And um, not only that, just saying thank you and, and showing my gratitude for the amazing work that He's done in my life.
2: I believe Jesus is the son of God. I believe Jesus is Lord and I believe he is the son of God. I believe Jesus is my savior.
1: I believe Jesus is my savior. I believe Jesus is the son of God.
2: I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior.
1: I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I believe and I know that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I believe Jesus saved all of us.
2: Kind of letting the past be the past and changing the way that I used to be into the person that I know he wants me to be. This is Kim Osmer.
1: Lindsay Red, you are my strong tower, fortress, when I'm weak. Your name is true and holy, and your face is all the same.
2: And this is Sarah Bless. I'll start. And this is David Lancaster. Wasn't that awesome? I'm sorry. Is this on?
0: Wasn't that awesome? Why don't you stand up with us, and uh, we'll celebrate. Oh, I'm so sorry.